one of the bear traps you can fall into is you just end up doing five days work for four days pay effectively because as we said earlier leaders by their nature and people aspiring to be leaders are quite driven people they want to do a great job and you've got to be really disciplined with yourself and say you know hang on Welcome back to the Leaders with Babies podcast. I'm Farina Hefti. I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus. With this podcast and our award-winning fellowship program, I want to give you access to inspiration and practical support so you can continue to progress your career whilst enjoying your young kids. So if you want to get involved, you can take the first step to join a network of like-minded fellows from all sectors and all genders for that matter by registering interest today on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash register interest. Applications to our fellowship are actually open now. So uh, do um, get in touch and find out more about it. You will get a senior leader mentor, access to thought leadership about what works for parents and careers and space to think which I think is just so important at this time. So today I'm chatting with Dom Holmes. Now Dom is a partner at Taylor Winters, where he's the head of employment law. He is one of the few male partners in law to work part-time. And as his team help employers with extremely time-sensitive and very complex employment issues, such as senior recruitment or exits or workplace disputes, you can imagine that it's incredibly fascinating to hear how he manages to work part-time and look after his young daughter successfully while meeting the needs of his clients. There, there are lots of really helpful reflections, I find, and, and very practical tips in his conversation. He feels very strongly about the need for a more open discussion in business about fathers in leadership roles being able to explore flexible working so that's why he's on this podcast that's also why he is one of the mentors mentoring one of our fellows so yeah have a really thought-provoking well obviously you're not part of the conversation but i guess in, enjoy listening to a thought-provoking conversation and if you want to contribute or share your opinions then do contribute to the conversation on whatever social media you're using it's at leaders underscore plus if you want to get involved enjoy very warm welcome dom to the podcast it's lovely to have the chance to chat to you properly why don't you start with you introducing yourself and tell us a bit about your family yeah so uh so my name's dom holmes i am a partner and head of the employment team at taylor vinters which is an international law firm and so I have responsibility in that team for managing 13 lawyers across London and Cambridge. And in terms of my family, so we have a 20-month-old daughter called Jemima who arrived in October 2018. So that's where the kind of, you know, life changed for me a bit, becoming as both a kind of leader in an organisation and a parent. So it was a big change for me. Mm. What, what was the biggest aspect of change for you, would you say? Oh, what a what a great question! And I think, well, you you just you're just responsible for a small person all of a sudden, aren't you? you know, I was part of the, part of a team with my my wife looking after our daughter. So, you know, I think any um, before we had our daughter, people who had children uh, who we knew would always say, "Oh, you, you know, you don't know what it's like and, until you you have your own, and it will change everything." And uh, they are abs- they're absolutely right in that. I mean, I, I couldn't have imagined how different my life would be and I think you just have to rebalance your priorities a little bit 
it's not to say you can't have a fantastic and fulfilling rewarding career in in the same ways as, as you had before but there's there's something else in there so you just need to be a bit more savvy about how you manage your time and how you set your priorities in life mm. and can you tell me a bit more about how you did that that re rebalancing of priorities because that's a really difficult thing for all of us isn't it and especially i think i think and maybe i'm biased if you are ambitious and if you love your work that's when it becomes so that that is when the rebalancing of priorities is really challenging and to an extent i yeah i'm I'm not sure i've ever fully rebalanced it it just feels like my life is fuller you know what i mean yeah no yeah i i, I completely um relate to that arena and i would say that anyone who is a leader in an organization or has aspirations to to be a leader you know there's a personality type there which is you know typically quite driven perhaps quite career minded to a certain extent where work plays such a significant role in someone's life perhaps more so than for people who don't have the same aspirations or ambitions or uh, and some sectors i think as well are more demanding of individuals within within their organization so we can talk about that a bit as well but i think really it for, for me i think i'm more effective now at both as a lawyer and a leader within a business than i was before uh, i became a parent i just do things a bit differently so i think it's really important to start out with you know being realistic there are only so many hours in the day and i think you need to sort of have a blueprint in your own mind for you know, how you are going to manage parenting alongside career, particularly, you know, uh, yeah, for me as a, as a working dad, I want to play a very full part in my daughter's upbringing. And it was going to be difficult for me to do that if I carried on operating in the same way it works. You just have to be a bit cleverer about how you do things. I probably speak to and see my clients more than I ever did before. But I'd probably go to fewer evening events, for example. Certainly, I, you know, before lockdown, that, that's that's what I did. I just did stuff in a different way. Mm, interesting. We should have said you do work part time, and that's an incredibly rare thing, yes. if I'm right. In a, your partner in a law firm in the city of London, and that is not the environment where working flexibly is a. I know that Taylor Winter is, is very much ahead of it, but regardless, that is not an environment where lots of people work part-time. No, so I, think that's, I think that's right. And I, would, I think Taylor Winters is fairly unusual as a law firm, and certainly law firms are probably more progressive now than they've ever been. I mean, certainly for our firm, we have a lot of part-time partners, actually a lot of part-time lawyers and support staff as well. And, I, you know, I, I don't claim to be a, a trailblazer in any way. So I'm, I'm not even the first male part-time partner in my firm. But uh, I mean, the journey, the journey for me was an interesting one because when we had our daughter, um, I had a month's paternity leave and I spent quite a bit of that thinking, how on earth am I going to come back to work and operate as I did before? I just couldn't really imagine how I would do it effectively. So I had a conversation with our managing partner and I was actually co-leading the team at the time with another lawyer. So I had a conversation with her both very understanding and we agreed I would work from home a day a week so full-time but one day a week from home which seemed to work pretty well for the firm but didn't actually work that well for me when I reflect on it because I was just had my head down at home so I wasn't able to participate in you know 
sharing the parenting load with my wife or helping my daughter grow up or anything like that. So um, in the end, it felt to me that if, if I was going to have that quality time with her and, and develop that bond, the only option open to me, I felt, was to drop down to four days a week. So so that's what I do. I, um, I typically have Fridays as a non-working day and work Mondays to Thursdays. And it's worked out fantastic. I've been doing it for just over a year now. Hmm. And you said before we started this conversation, you did say you were agonizing about it. What went through your mind at the time? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. And sort of part of the reason why I, um, you know, I try and talk about this as much as I can. I, I think it was more my own, my own preconceptions, I guess, about both how colleagues would react and clients would react. And also how I would just be perceived more generally. As you said, you know, regardless of my law firm being fairly progressive in how it, it does things, it is not so common for men, particularly in roles like mine, to have part-time working arrangements. So I was concerned that I would be perceived in a very different way. Um, and that's what caused the, the agonizing for me. But in the end, I just reached the view that I just had to bite the bullet and get on with it because... For me personally, my personal values were that I wasn't going to compromise parenting for the sake of you know, having a career, a, a career at all costs and or worrying about what other people might think, think about it. It just took me a while to get there, I think. I want to understand a bit deeper what was happening for you there. What, what were your assumptions about what your clients might say or your colleagues might, might think? Probably not say, but think. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think I, colleagues, colleagues, not so much. I mean, we've always, always been a very collegiate partnership. And I've also always had a really kind of uh, both a very extremely capable team and also a, a very understanding team in terms of managing it. So it was more my set. I felt a sense of responsibility to my team to make sure that I was still as effective a leader as I uh, on four days a week as I as I was on five. Obviously, the client's been a very client-facing uh, profession, and it's a very tough profession, the legal profession. So it was about ensuring that they didn't feel there was going to be any drop in standards of service or availability, because that's very important. Sometimes clients just need you, and they need you really quickly. So it's, it's about managing uh, those expectations, also providing reassurance to people around me that doesn't impact on my abilities or my availability either as a leader or as a professional advisor mm. on that point about clients needing you very quickly and they will be used to lawyers dropping everything and getting back to them at 11 o'clock at night I, I assume practically how how did you deal with that and how did you do you communicate with your clients well that's, that is an interesting question because I think it, it you know it depends on the client I mean some clients I have very strong relationships with I you know some of them I've known for so many years and I don't think I ever sort of published the fact necessarily that I was thinking about going part-time time but I did sound a few of them out and they were very supportive and they know that Fridays I, I can be available if I'm needed but generally I won't I won't be around so much and there are other members in my team they can talk to so it's, it's definitely made me delegate a lot more and give other team members much more client contact which which they should have. I've got a good example, actually, Green. Actually, even just, just last Friday, one of my clients said, there's a call on Friday. Uh, I'm really sorry. Really, really need you on it. Um, what can we do to make that work for you? Which was a great discussion because I was able to have an open conversation with them where I said, well, I'm on childcare duty, but I can do, you know, 
before 8.30 if that works for you, or I can do it in the afternoon because my daughter has a nap, you know, for a couple of hours in the afternoon, and we made it work, and we did it in, in the afternoon. So I'd say I'm, I'm, still, I'm still available. I think clients have been pretty understanding, and also we run the service in a way that they, you know, they almost don't notice if I'm not there most of the time, which, again, is a great place to be because I've got a fantastic team of lawyers who, who work with all my clients. It's rare that I will just be the sole point of contact for any client, which is very important in, ma- in managing those things. Interesting. So practically, how do you make that work? And do you have a really super CRM system where you make sure that every single call or sensitivity is locked so that person who's picking it up on a Friday knows exactly what's going on? Or what... Practically, how do you make that work? Because that is an art. Yeah, I think, and I think I've had to learn learn that over time. I don't think it, it came overnight. And it's again, it's it's quite client specific, depending on the relationships you have with individual client contacts. So, I mean, I would say for eighty or ninety percent of the matters I work on, I will work alongside another lawyer, and they will do work on that matter alongside me, and then they will just carry on with the work on the Friday. And importantly, they, you know, perhaps something else we can talk about later, Verena, they know they can contact me if there's a problem. But what I always say to them is I keep separate work and personal mobiles. I say to them, call me on my personal mobile. Here's the number and we'll chat about it. But don't expect me to be checking my emails every 20 minutes on a Friday because I don't, I don't do that. So, so for, for most clients, as I say, it's a seamless service. And for those sort of maybe 10 or 20% of matters where I am the primary or sole contact, then again, I will just plan in advance. And if I know that I may be needed on a Friday and I can't hand it over to anyone for whatever reason, then I'm upfront about that and available at certain times of the day that work for both me and the client. So it doesn't impact us too much. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you are giving your clients permission to contact you, but by separating the personal mobile and work mobile, you're making it very clear that they're contacting you in your personal time and therefore potentially you're adding that extra hurdle. So they're not going to call you about, let's just change that last sentence in paragraph 233. It has to be something really important. Um, it, it, do, you, do you feel clients do that or... Yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, yeah, interesting. I, I would say I, I don't. I certainly don't give my personal mobile out to to clients at all. So, but I. But my team, my team all have my personal number, and also my. Um, I've got. We've got a team assistant who manages all of our sort of diaries and contacts and inboxes when we're out of the office. So she's fantastic. So I have an out of office which says, "I'm not in on Friday. Please contact this person," and they can get hold of me if they need to but I know I certainly wouldn't uh, that that's that is too far over the delineation I think one of the things about working part-time whether you're in a leadership role or not is you need to be really disciplined about your work sphere and your home sphere uh, and for me the way I do that is I make sure I have a personal mobile and a work mobile so yeah there, there are always ways of contacting me but that will typically be my team rather than a client so yeah, a couple of so again, the Friday before last, we were working on something for a client, which was very tricky, and one of my team was running it, but they reached a particularly difficult point in it, and they just picked up the phone, and we had a 10-minute chat. We were able to resolve it. Now, normally on a Monday to Thursday, I'd have been wading in. And, and do you think you working part-time has changed your team, or how, how have they found it? Well, you probably have to ask them for it. I think it's worked. I think it's worked pretty well, actually. 
again, they have always been, you know, it's a two-way thing. So we are very respectful of uh, everyone in the team having lives outside of work. And I think it's it's a, a really important part of my leadership style that I will never ask anyone in my team to do something I wouldn't be willing to do myself. And if we're asking people to go above and beyond in their personal time, that is that is duly recognized and appreciated. So, you know, they know that, for example, I don't keep a, a track of where they are every minute of every day. If they need to go and do things during normal working hours, if they have a doctor's appointment or, or whatever it might be, and just go pick their child up from nursery, they just get on and do it because I trust them to get the work done. And then that trust flows both ways. So they are very respectful of my part-time working arrangements. And what it enables us to have is really kind of much more focused conversations Monday to Thursday, which then kind of limits the time I might be needed on a Friday. So actually it works. It works pretty well on both sides, I think. Mm, brilliant. And that, well, obviously we're recording this at a time of the Black Lives Matters protest. And we know that black people and people from ethnic minorities are much more likely to have caring responsibilities not just for children, but for other people that they're looking after. And if we are serious about making organization inclusive, then absolutely that that is, is it's essential to have that flexibility for, for everyone. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think just, just on that point, I think it's really one of the things we've been exploring at firm recently is there is a difference between diversity in an organization and inclusivity. And inclusivity is about allowing people to be themselves at work. And being a parent is part of that and allowing them the flexibility to manage their personal commitments and their caring responsibilities around around work because that's how you retain really talented people. And it's about creating a, a culture of trust on both sides where actually yeah, everyone's striving for the same goal, aren't they? So so I, I, I think that is really, really important. And I think hopefully, I think more leaders in, with, with flexible working arrangements will just encourage a, a culture beneath them, which, which allows everyone, everyone to sort of strive for that as well if they need it. Absolutely. You are a father. We're recording this shortly after Father's Day. What are your views about giving more fathers the opportunities to both work flexibly and have a senior career? That's a really good question. I mean, I don't think, I mean, gender shouldn't really come into it, really. And because again, one of, one of the reasons why I'm quite active in talking about my own experience is that it shouldn't really matter. See, traditionally, a lot of part-time and flexible working arrangements have been, have been taken up by working mums rather than working dads. And that, that may often be as a direct consequence of coming back from maternity leave so people move to part-time arrangements what one of the things i want to dispel is that 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 kind of arrangement is is just for women and men can do it just as well and still have rewarding careers and actually i think if you make flexible working open to more dads then it creates a more equal playing field it makes it easier for women actually it makes it easier for women i think to pursue their careers alongside part-time working responsibilities as well you know it's a it's really a case it really doesn't matter gender is irrelevant in terms of flexible working from my perspective it's just that a lot of dads just either don't think to do it or they do what i do is they agonize over it for ages and never quite get around to it so i think more the more dads that do it i think that sets a better example for both working mums and working dads 
Mm. That is very true. Although, just to challenge you, I think gender isn't irrelevant. I do think, so just, well, both looking at the data and talking to that, quite often the discrimination that they're experiencing from asking for flexible working arrangement can be higher. So we know that women who who um, are mothers are often seen as less committed, but that who don't fit into the breadwinner stereotype equally and even more so are often seen as not so committed or they're not seen as serious about their jobs. And I do think we need to when you talk about this, and I really am so excited by the fact that you are working flexibly in a senior role, because I do think in order to get to proper gender equality, we need to be able to work flexibly, not just in junior roles, which now is increasingly common, but actually in the senior roles. And that's the way that, and this may be not politically correct, but I do think men are often still expected by society to be the breadwinners. And we do need to make sure that actually you can be a breadwinner and and work flexibly. I really, you know, I do think that's a way for inclusion. I I, I completely agree with you. And I was saying, what I was saying, you know, gender is irrelevant. I think I guess what I meant is gender should be irrelevant because I think you're right, and 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 that is that is the aspiration. Because I think regardless if you're a male leader or a female leader, sort of being the quote breadwinner does bring certain responsibility of its own. And actually, as leaders, it is our job first and foremost to lead by example. And if we can't show that men in leadership roles can have successful careers, balance client expectations, manage team, and have and have a part-time working arrangements, how on earth are we going to encourage men across the working population to think it's for them? Because there's almost like a, a stigma attached to it, which which is unspoken, but really shouldn't be there. Mm, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. So I. I'm interested in money, not because I'm hugely <laughs> greedy, otherwise I wouldn't run a social enterprise, but I do think, again, it's an important question that lots of people aren't talked about. And we know that part-time work is associated with lower pay per hour. And so I'm just interested from your, and if you don't want to share, it's totally fine, we can cut it out. But from your perspective, how did you deal with pay? Are you still paid a similar amount? You obviously, I presume, as a partner, you're, you're paid on outcomes. I, I don't know. How, how does it work? And what were, was going through your head as you thought about pay and part-time? Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting one. And I mean, uh, for me, so I, I'm a partner in a law firm, so I'm self-employed. So my, my income is largely dependent on how successful the firm is, how much profit the firm makes. But the way it works is because I work four days a week, so 80%, I take out of the business 80% of the profit I would otherwise have taken out if I'd been a full-time partner. So I just take less out of the pot proportionate to the hours that I work, if that makes sense. So, so it does have an impact. And for me, I think pay didn't really come into it too much for me. I'm not, I'm not particularly driven by wealth creation for myself or my family. I'm, I, I, I want to work in, a, in, a, in an organization where I feel like I'm making a difference. So it doesn't really accord with my values, which I guess, you know, maybe made that decision a bit easier for me. And I, I think it's also important to say, as so I said, some people I talk to, you know, they have, again, it's a kind of false presumption about lawyers is that we're all, we're all paid millions and millions. So it doesn't really matter. I can afford to go part time, which isn't necessarily the case. It just depends what you value in life and value in your, your career. But certainly I was thinking, you know, I did some sums when, I, when we were first thinking about it. 
And I thought, well, you know, let's let's have a look at what the twenty percent I am going to be missing out on for going to four days a week. Okay, how much of that's going to go to the tax man, and how much of that's going to go on employers' national employees' national insurance or equivalent, and then how much of that I'll divide that by twelve. What might be left, and is that really is it really worth me going to work for that fifth day, or would I rather have the time with my daughter? And it was a complete no brainer for me. So that's the way I kind of rationalized it in my own head. But certainly for me, um, the money was not a significant factor. It's all about quality of life. Mm, exactly. And giving yourself permission to do that and to just do what makes you happy is so, so important. But it's not always the easy thing to do if you are faced with expectations from people around you. And obviously, it depends on how much, how much um, you know, you, you earn in the first place. But yeah, thank you for sharing that so so openly. You see a lot of people working flexibly in senior roles. You are working flexibly in senior roles. And I always think we can learn the most from mistakes and things going badly. So have you, what are the biggest things you see people getting wrong who work flexibly or perhaps things that you got wrong at the beginning? I would say, so, so certainly the thing I, I guess I got wrong at the start is I assumed that it would just be fine overnight it's something you have to learn to manage i think you're never going to go from a situation i don't think in a leadership role where you work five days a week you suddenly go to four and just switch off it takes time to manage your week so i am much better at planning my week i'm much better at delegating so i make the most of the time that i have and i think one of the things that one of the bear traps you can fall into is you just end up doing five days work for four days pay effectively because as we said earlier leaders by their nature and people aspiring to be leaders are quite driven people they want to do a great job and you've got to be really disciplined with yourself and say you know hang on i specifically moved to a part-time working arrangement precisely because i can have quality time with my daughter that i would not otherwise have had so fridays i've got to be really disciplined and make sure i get minimal disturbance in the same way that monday to thursdays i'm very focused on work and, you know, I don't take lots of time out and, and get distracted by, by family stuff. So you, I think I learned very quickly to kind of silo those two parts of my life and keep them pretty separate. And that's the, that's the only way I can, I can do it. But I, I think the other, the other thing I was saying, is to finish off, is that for, I think the other common mistake that is, is often made is you, people just try and do everything. You can have you can have the same amount of output if you're if you're more efficient about it. But people try and just do everything and have like almost do a full time week and have the time off, and there just aren't enough hours in the day. You've just got to completely rethink how you how, how you work on a day to day basis. It absolutely makes sense. But now I'm curious about the details. So in in detail, how what are you doing differently in terms of planning your day or the way your day to day works? So, well, it's obviously helped a bit with lockdown because I don't have a commute anymore, which is which is fantastic. So that has kind of given me a bit more time back. But the way I manage it is the way I, I start early in the morning. So I'm, I'm, I know that I have a certain certain times of the day where I'm better to do certain stuff. So I will always be up early and I spend the, I spend the first hour or two of the day either planning meetings I've, I've got during the day, planning conversations I know I need to have with people. Or if I've got a particularly difficult piece of work or piece of thinking to do, that's the best time of the day for me to do it. So that by the time you get round to maybe nine or 10 o'clock in the morning and 
clients are calling and you're dealing with emails and, and calls with team members, you've kind of you've got your day sketched out, you've done the difficult thing that you needed to get done, and then you can give more of your time to those people who need you, who, who look look to you either as an advisor or as a leader, you know, for, for support in whatever capacity it may be. And then towards the end of the day, I know I am less effective sort of late afternoon, early evening. So I will use that time deliberately to do stuff I don't necessarily need to think hard about. So it will be admin that goes with uh, managing a team. I tend to do that sort of late in the day. Then I have a break, spend some time with my daughter, put her to bed. And then if I need to carry on late in the evening, I'm then a little bit refreshed and I can do that. But if it can wait until early the following day, then I will just leave it until then. So I'm not burning the candle at both ends. So that's how I manage it myself. Mm. That sounds brilliant. Can I ask how you manage it when there must be times of crisis, client crisis, or never mind that we're in the middle of a global pandemic, but you know, when things go really difficult, how, how do you manage that? And I guess I'm asking this because I hear a lot of people who beat themselves up for not sticking to whatever working arrangement they set themselves. How, how do you deal with crisis when the plan that you've made isn't working? Well, I would say that first and foremost, we are a client, client objective-driven organization. So if clients need to talk to us, then we are always available for them. So client requirements come first. Particularly, it's been particularly the case during the last few months where obviously we've had lockdown and as an employment lawyer, we've been in, I've been in fairly high demand talking to employers about things like furloughing people and now bringing them back to work and all the um, the complexities around that and often they do need advice at very short notice because they're preparing for their own board meetings or they just need to implement something really quickly so i'll always be available to them my clients know that if they need to speak to me really early in the morning then i can i can do that and equally if they need something turned around overnight i will just crack on and do it in the evening and finish it off first thing the following morning if, if i need to so you do need to be, you definitely do need to be flexible about uh, about your day. You can't be too rigid in saying, well, I'm not going to do that type of work because that's not how I've timetabled it. But equally, I think if you have some kind of structure to your day that you will, that will allow you to plan effectively, then it doesn't matter if you need to swap things around during different times of the day because a client's called really early and needs something immediately. So... So I did that today, for example, Verena, I had a query in over the weekend, the client needed an answer this morning. So instead of doing what I might normally have done first thing this morning, I cracked on with that piece of advice, knowing that I will find time later in the day to do what I would otherwise have done first thing this morning. So you do have to be quite relaxed about it. You can be disciplined within that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's so interesting to hear you talk about it. You just sound, you ooze calm. And yet I know that you are an employment lawyer, essentially, aren't you? And and you are, and this is a crisis where everyone needs support from employment lawyers. So yeah, I think um, it, it's definitely an inspiration how, how you're handling, how you're handling that. Okay, so is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we haven't touched on yet? I don't think so, Verena. I think, yeah, I think we've had a really good discussion. Hopefully, I've I've got a sense. I, I've got a sense across of how it's worked for me and and how I tend to manage things without being too waffly. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think what it comes down to for me, it, it it really 
people just need to think, if they're thinking about kind of part-time working arrangements in whatever role, whether they are a man or a woman, even if they're, whether they're a parent or not, there, there may be other things in your life that you want to do, you know, but, you know, largely it is parents. You've just got to think back to what you value most in your life. And I was just, you know, just to share a couple of, you know, personal experiences which kind of shape the way I think about things. I always remember, I, I grew up in a very sort of close-knit family environment. And I always remember the fun I had as a child and being very supported. And I, had, I was lucky. I had, a, I, had a, I had a very happy childhood. And I don't think there would be anything that would stop me from trying to give my daughter the same experience that I had. So that's really, really important to me. And I guess the second thing is that I see in my profession a lot of lawyers around my age, maybe a bit older, who um, are just completely burnt out because they try to do everything and they focused on their careers. There's sort of high instances, I think, in the you know in, in certain professions. I suspect law is one of them of sort of you know relationship breakdowns and things like that. And I just you know I will not sacrifice anything for giving. You know, my daughter a, a stable home life and I would you know I guess one other kind of experience which has really shaped my thinking around all of this is that my stepfather died quite young he, he got cancer very and, and died quite quickly he was only in his late 40s and I was always in the back of my mind thinking well I might not be around for the full extent of my my daughter's childhood I mean you just you just don't know it sounds a bit morbid but I just want to make sure that I don't have any regrets about how I live my life as a parent and that will always come a top priority for me over my career having said that you can you can be a really good effective parent and have a really rewarding career it shouldn't hold you back in any way Mm -hmm. yeah I I think it's actually incredibly life-affirming and what you are saying is that we just need to give ourselves permission to do what is in line with our values and do that bravely and courageously. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm. You've just got to be authentic to yourself because you'll never forgive yourself later in life, I think. Mm, definitely. Yeah. To add to the theme, I, I read this book by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and uh, one of them, she obviously writes about death and um, what people say when they die and actually that willingness to you know, pe- people don't regret not having spent more time at work. What they do regret is spending time with their families. Now, on th- this note, actually, I had another very interesting conversation with my- a friend of mine yesterday who said, the one thing I've learned during lockdown is that my parenting doesn't improve by spend like, in- proportionally with the amount of time I spend with my children. And that's a very, very freeing thought as well, which definitely is very true for myself. But, you know, just, no, I'm not saying... You're going to be a better parent if you spend five days a week with your uh, five. Yeah, that is definitely not the case for me, maybe for some people, but not for me. But just that choice and just thinking, like you say, I love this value-based approach. What is it that you value? And then structure your life around that is, is very powerful. Definitely. And it's, it, work, it works the same with work and parenting. It's about quality and not quantity. So it's not about, for me, it's not about me just being here on a Friday. A sense of what presenteeism I'm kind of doing my job by. You know, not being at work. It's about what you do with that time. So, you know, recent months it's been a bit more difficult, but Fridays we always plan to do something with her, whether that's just taking her to a soft play or taking her to a, I don't know, a, a National Trust property. We always do stuff. So it's it's proper time together, not just I happen to be at home on Friday and I'm not working. It's so important. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Even 
or even just the basic stuff of just uh, I've, I I used to do the same of taking my kids out and I thought I wouldn't be able to cope if it was after you know nine o'clock in the morning and we were still inside uh, partly because my toddler will bring the shoes and say around when is when are we going out but actually <laughs> dur- during the really tough lockdown I learned that you know actually sometimes just a bowl of water and the permission to get messy it already does the does the trick as long as you are present and I personally find it easier to be present outside than inside where there's always lots of things to do yeah definitely definitely just about spending time with them but making it quality time for both of you and if they just want to sit there and so my my daughter is quite happy she'll sit there and just flip through books and picture books and play with the toys I think I just her just her knowing that I'm sitting there engaging with her I think that's enough you know because sort of not always the most exciting thing for parents, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, but it's important for them. It's important for your child, so you do it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I know what you're talking about. My ta- daughter's maximum is five times the same book in a row. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yes. it's, a, it's a test of patience. You don't even need to look at the book, do you? You can, you can, you can read the words without looking at the book. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But let's end with some concrete things that people can do. So Right now, no one has time for hours of value searching. This may be a trick question because there's no simple answer, but I'm, I'm going to challenge you anyway. So what, what, what is a simple 10-minute thing that someone who's heard your advice about thinking about your values and then crafting your life around it, what is a simple 10-minute thing someone can do this week to implement that advice? I would say that if you are thinking about some kind of flexible working arrangement, I would do two things. The first, I think it is important to think about why why you're doing it for yourself and what your what the values are that sit around that. Because that will drive everything. For me, the the need to spend more time with my with my daughter, whereas before I was just on a train all the time going back and forth and I wouldn't see her most of the week. That overrode everything else that I did. And then it became quite a simple decision for me in terms of whether I was going to do it or not or request it. And the second thing you need to think about in advance is how is it going to work for you practically and your employer? So think about the benefits to the employer as well. Um, you may have to compromise occasionally on what you're, what you're asking for out of, a, out of a flexible working arrangement. But if you can show to your employer that it benefits them as well as you and they'll get the best version of you when you start then you're more likely to see so going to your employer with solutions and 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 also being clear yourself on how you will be disciplined because if you're not disciplined about it and you just end up there's sort of mission creep and you start doing lots of work on a non-working day or uh, spending spending time checking emails and sort of being half present um, when you should be when you should be fully present in your kind of parenting capacity, you'll just end up resenting it. So, yeah, I think really clear on why you want to do it, really clear on why it benefits both you and your employer, and also really clear on how you're going to implement it on pra- in practice so that you actually do what the flexible working arrangement is designed to do. Mm. That is excellent advice. Thank you so much, Dom. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. And um, well, we've had a chat before, before you started mentoring one of our fellows, but your your fellow is is very lucky to have you. So thank you for doing that as well. And yeah, look forward to continuing the conversation at another time. Thanks, Rina. It's been a real pleasure. I appreciate the time. Thank you for listening today. 
I hope that was really useful. I certainly found it was. So the conversation with Dom just for me reiterated how, to me anyways, I think quite often negotiating for flexible working, it's a bit of a leadership challenge because there is still, unfortunately, no blueprint. Still, in most cases, the systems and the organization and the processes are not set up for proper flexible working. And because of that, I put together a short flexible working leadership guide that just gives you a few pointers to think about approaching a flexible working request as a leadership challenge. So if you go to our website, leadersplus.org.uk and then forward slash flexible leadership, have a look. Uh, You can download it there. I hope it will be useful. So yeah, that's that. I also wanted to say again, if you're interested in joining the fellowship program, I'd love to hear from you. Do register on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash register interest to get the details. Yeah. And as you know already, I'm extremely passionate about spreading the message that we should all be totally you know, allowed to love an ambitious career and love your children at the same time, regardless of your gender or regardless of your circumstances. And I really want to spread this message. So I mentioned before that my hope is to get to a thousand listeners by September and there's no way I can achieve that by myself. There is simply no way. So I really need your help to achieve that. So thank you to everyone who's already shared the podcast. If it has helped you in any way, then just take a moment now to share it with five of your friends, leave a review and most importantly, hit the subscribe button. And obviously, like with any podcast, five star reviews really do help with the visibility. That's it for today. I look forward to next week's episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.